My text today is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, which is our theme passage of the church. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to do a mini-series, a three-part mini-series called Recapturing the Vision, the vision of Crossway. Today, um, we want to meditate on that 1 Corinthians 1 passage and think this very fundamental question is how we began our church. Why choose the way of the cross? And the fundamental question on why we do what we do. In the part two next Sunday, we're going to actually talk about what is the vision, the living out the vision of Crossway. And then the final Sunday here, September 22nd uh, will be talking about some practical things of how, why the vision, what is the vision, and how we're going to live it out. Seven core practices for the vision of Crossway. And then by this time, some of you are wondering, um, in a good way or a bad way, what's the vision is all about? Why does it matter? A vision matters in any season of our lives, especially as we are stepping outside and in our journey ahead. There are at least three reasons for that. And number one, Vision provides with us with guidance toward the right direction. Have you uh, thought about um, what's most important in your life as well? And I, I still remember the vivid, uh, the moment that I realized that direction is so important so back in the days, uh, early 90s, I just came, I moved from Texas, and everything was so foreign around here. I was a youth pastor and took the kids somewhere in L.A., which was a huge ordeal for me because there's so many different freeways, and, and I'm responsible for those kids. And the event ended a little later, later than before, uh, I realized. So I was going on a 10 West, Highway 10 West, going really fast to get to this couple of kids that I'm dropping off. I'm supposed to go to Diamond Bar, but for some reason, I took, instead of 60, I, I totally thought I was 60 West, and I was going 10 West. And then my time was running out, a promised time for the, to the parents, right? So I was stepping on. I, I, I kid you not, I was doing about 85, really fast. And the, the, the longer that I tried, the further away we were, I finally looked back in the days, this is 90s, looked at Thomas Guide. 
And I realized we were about 45 minutes away from where I'm supposed to be. Do you know that we could do rah-rah and then church growth and do a lot of th- attractive things and doing all these things, but in the wrong direction? So clear vision is so important. We want to do some clarifying what, what is the vision looks like so that we know the hands of guidance from God to the right direction. Secondly, vision matters because it gives us fuel, a fresh, renewed vision especially, not old, stale vision, that it doesn't mean much on the piece of paper. The, the, it's a verbiage rather than really alive reality, potential reality. It gives us vision, vision gives us fuel to keep going to the right direction. We get inspired by it. We get courage, perseverance when it's difficult. And we get passionate. So here comes the difference between um, setting goals versus visioning. Setting goals comes from our head. It's mechanical things that we could do. Setting the goals of tangible things. That's our next goal. We don't get inspired by that. Because it's a mental process. But the visioning process is a heart process. So when you think about vision, is a mental picture of desired future. I long to be that way. I long to see this eventually. And it excites us. The sad thing about today's vision, including in churches also too, because we tend to think about vision as any kind of vision is better than no vision. The man's vision, man-centered way of looking at the world and visioning, even if it's an audacious goal, goal, it it could be completely off. But what if it is clear, if it is fresh, if it, we, you get the assurances that God has given this vision and we are on the right direction, when we are reminded by this vision that God has given us, it's going to give us fuel. And I still remember beginning of Crossway, in the middle of the night, I walk up being so excited consumed by the vision God has given us. It wasn't entrepreneurial or organizational vision at all. Because I, I came from that kind of culture. And I think one of the reasons why we sense this uh, fuel going up and down is there's so much opposition culturally pointing to the other direction. Our vision, God-given vision, And sometimes, I think best described as swimming up against the current. It's easy going with the flow. But in order for us to swim across, swim against the current, we need to get fueled 
by the Holy Spirit, not just the men's ideas. And I, I'll put it bluntly, my aim in doing this mini-series is that for us to get passionate about what God has given us as a church, as people of God. And third and last, vision, especially shared vision, generates unified movement that aligns our hearts and endeavors toward the right direction. So imagine 10 different people going separate ways, their own way of doing things right. But once we began to see the God's vision, God-given vision begins to share it among us. There's a shared ownership of the vision. And unlike the worldly way of doing it, the going to church where it meets your family needs and your needs, and you become a consumer, and you become a spectator in some sense. And our church wants to see this the owners of vision, that we are not just the beneficiary of the vision, but benefactors of God-given vision. And what I mean by that is, without the shared vision, we are not going to see the unified movement, strong unified movement. And I ask you this, and I am challenging anyone to hold me accountable on this. Is this Paul Kim's vision? Or is this vision that came from God and from Scripture? So when we share that, not just one person's vision or leadership elder's vision, but every one, one of us, I share that. I embrace that. Yeah, God. Yeah, Crossway, let's go for it together. And we will create enormous force, spiritual force among us. Like the David in the Old Testament, or Gideon. It will defy the human understanding of wisdom, a way of doing things. Having said that, I think the importance of God-given God vision is this. As Stephen Covey, who's a leadership expert and the author of uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, this is one of the famous quotes, and I was impacted by that as well. Covey says, if the latter is not leaning against the white wall. Every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. The picture is this. The, the, the young career man and woman start, starting the career, climbing the ladder of career so passionately. You give all you, you have. And that by the time when you arrive, what you defined as the vision of success 
You became a CFO, a CEO, or one of the VPs. And having reached that wall, at the top of the ladder, you find out the ladder has been leaning against the wrong wall. We've seen that so many times, people who have become disillusioned after the having achieved all the goals that they have. Is it just the business people? I don't think so. It's church the same way. What good is it we become bigger and larger and fancier and we become, has a church that wills and bells and whistles for our kids' ministry and, and youth ministry if that wall is eventually in the wrong wall? So the critical question that we started, my paradigm shift with the way that we are doing church has to be not just to modify a little bit. We need to experience the shift, paradigm shift, which resulted in naming our church Crossway Church. Okay, once for all, I want us to be on the same page. Do you know that our church is spelled in a particular way? It's not because, it's not because we want to be just different. Because there are so many. Crossways like Paul Kim. There are so many Paul Kims. Oh, especially pastors, Paul Kim, right? In the, in the same way. And I don't mind because God uses ordinary, very ordinary people, the foolish ones and the weak, weak ones of the world to shame the, shame, shame the powerful and the rich and, and the wise of the world. Uh, that's really actually the running theme of today's passage. And Crossway is spelled with capital W-A-Y. And here's a reason why. The name came from our slogan and the theme verse. The theme verse is 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of cross, the message of the cross, or the way of the cross is foolish. It's nonsensical. That someone would take the capital punishment tool for a way to save the world? Ha! That's typical response. Do you actually believe that? Didn't you go to college? You actually believe this? That's a world response. But for those of us who are being saved, and notice that it's not just having been saved, being saved. Every day we are being delivered from the power of sin. And we are experiencing daily salvation from the Lord because of this power, the supernatural power that comes from the way of the cross. So I, this is our slogan, choosing the way of the cross as our way. I have been 
uh, known for a practical guy. And even my gifting, the practical training, system, system building was my forte. I became known for that in ministry as well. But what, what I didn't realize, it's like the frog being heated so slowly and that cannot jump out. And I realized the worldly way of doing things and sneaking into the, the Christian culture and church's culture and it became very blurry. When I finally realized I need to choose the way of the cross rather than the way of efficient management leadership literature or practice. And, and, you know, I used to go to two, three national conferences during my previous ministry, and one of those sessions is typically named as best practices in something, quote-unquote, like best practices in staffing, best practices in leadership development. Then you will go. And nothing wrong with that in, in the surface, Right? So you need to learn from the people who have gone before and done well before. But the issue at the center core that I realize is the Christian leaders have bought into believing with all our weight that Scripture is not enough, that God's way is not enough, that we need to listen to these best practices of managements and leaderships, the worldly way. So much of the uh, church is not just, you know, around us in the whole Western world. The way of the cross is just merely language. We boldly take this as our way, and it is not easy. So let's start with that. Before we look at our crystal clear vision of what it looks like to own the vision, let's ask why choose the way of the cross as a local church, not only individually, but together. Here's the first reason. The way of the cross is God-centered way, God-centered vision that reveals God's supernatural way of salvation to nullify all man-centered visions and ways. Verse 18 again, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. When Paul was writing this letter to Corinthians, the situation was very similar to Southern California, where we are today. There are so many philosophies and uh, trending thoughts and best practices and the, the, 
all different kinds of leading authorities were there. The church, Corinthian church, was listening to all these different way of doing things and then got mixed up with all worldly values. And they begin to brag about their background and whatnot. And Paul is basically saying, didn't you come from humble background? None of you came from the blood royal line or anything like that, or high officials. Most of you were just poor people and low-status people. And God is using you intentionally. That's God's way. Listen, look at the cross. God tend to use the weak things of the world so that he will shame the powerful of the world. Then God will show his glory in that. God's way is often contrary to men's way. The question that each one of them that we're going to ask is, what, what is the implication for and on Christ, Crossway's vision? The implication very, is straightforward. We are to choose God's vision for our salvation and life and ministry. 360 degrees of that rather than men's vision or, or our own vision. To illustrate God-centeredness clearly, I think we need to uh, expose some things that we might not even aware of in, in the past. And I, when I was growing up, I listened to some sermons like this, and maybe you have also too. And the Christian pastors and leaders will talk about vision, importance of vision and dreams. And oftentimes, Joseph in the Old Testament is is an illustration. Be like Joseph. Have audacious dream. Big vision for God. And then God will supply what you need. And you will achieve. And it sounds on the surface it's right, right? But ultimately the center problem is there. Who is at the center? Joseph is the center. Did Joseph get up and I will today have an audacious dream. Big dream. The dream that bigger than my life. No. He didn't do a thing. God showed up in his dream and gave him the vision. And he, are to sub he was to submit to that vision. And the God-centeredness is utterly opposing, or should I say, the man's default way of doing church life is utterly opposing the God-centered way of doing church and doing life. That's in essence my summary of paradigm shift. So let me ask you, in your own life, do you wonder what God's vision is for you? Or don't wonder in dreams, 
Don't wonder supernatural experiences. God has given him, given each one of us, and given the church his vision. And scripture. And through scripture, we could dream how we could align ourselves. When you think about God's big picture of saving Israelites and then using that as foreshadowing of saving the whole entire world to, to, through Christ. The Joseph's little dream compared to that was part of God's vision. He was included because of his trust and obedience. In the same way, Crossway has a big vision, not because Crossway or your pastor's vision, but because God has given us the vision already. Vision for the church. And it doesn't sound attractive at times at all. So when, when we become men-centered in our vision, I think the prime example is prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel church leaders. With, through my faith, I can have wealth and success and, and God will advance my career and my church That's the, that's the center problem. Number two reason why we need to choose the way of the cross as Crossway Church is because it is Jesus' way of doing the right thing the right way as opposed to the world's way in doing it the wrong way. Verse 20, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the Debater of this age, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. It glorified God because the message of the cross was, especially back then, it was so foolish and folly. God was exalted and nullified the men's way of doing things. The issue of pride Human pride is that we could accomplish what we can set our mind, mind to. Um, and that cultural core is so strong. Secular humanism it's very different from humanitarianism. But sometimes those two words are exchanged as if it's meaning the same thing. No, not at all. Secular humanism 
says the world is nothing but natural, the based on naturalism, and in the middle of the center of the universe, there is man. Man is the discerner and judge, and through the, the five senses we have, and whatever man thinks and decides. Humanitarianism is a humanitarianism, love for the other humankind, compassion and mercy, which is very Christ-like attitude. Secular humanism is idol worship of ourselves. And Jesus' way In the secular world, and sometimes we look at it as, oh, that, that might not be too attractive. That might not be too efficient. Because, you know, human eyes and human wisdom, we could detect that. But what ends up happening is when we're doing discerning things, there's a black and white. There are people who de despise God and any religious, they de de determined to be irreligious and determined to be all of our secular humanistic things. All that's worldly and church is godly. It used to be that way. But past few decades, what happens is the the spiritual uh, spiritual warfare is not necessarily happening outside, but within the church in a way that it diffuses, it confuses things. So church are worshiping God. Great, they're doing the right thing. Church is growing, doing the right thing. But is it done in the right way? Is, is it done the right way of God has prescribed as opposed to our own pragmatic way? I, I mentioned that I, I was a practical person, even as a uh, pastor and, and the organizational leader. And this is what I was... Uh, been trained to think um, in terms of method and way of doing things, we need to constantly renovate. We need to change it. And I've seen growing in, in the traditional church, I've seen too many wrong practices of sacred cows. By that I mean people fighting over color of church carpet and pews, whether they're going to have choir or not, and whether they're going to sing traditional hymns or contemporary music songs or not. So I, I was much, I'm for change. By all means, that was my thing, and even previous ministry. But what ended up happening is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So then think about this. The way 
has two different ways of meaning. The one is method, style, which must be constantly changed, but also there's a way the meaning, semantics also imply values, philosophy. So even, even martial arts, they, they will say uh, something like the way of Taekwondo or Taekwondo or whatever. That's how you need to live your life and the philosophy and, and all that comes along with that. So what's really important is that when we are looking at Jesus is really the right thing and the, he is the life and he is the way and the life and the truth and then Jesus' truth and Jesus' right thing that we, we're going to choose the right gospel, right doctrine, but impatiently we jump into doing the ministry and church in American pragmatic way rather than Jesus' way. Hence, the most Western church's culture is few people who are trying to attract consumers to come to church and church growth became that. And it's hard for me to say these, these things because as a church, we need to grow, to be stabilized. And one of the reasons why we are in the limbo is we don't, our church is not big enough to buy a building, to rent some places. We need to, bigger, we need to grow the church. But the question is, are we going to really look at doing the right way as well? Not just the right things. Eugene Peterson, rising, Eugene Peterson's writing was timely during those my paradigm shift time. Listen to this. He writes, more often than not, I find my Christian brothers and sisters uncritically embracing the ways and means practiced by the high-profile men and women who lead large corporations, congregations, nations, and causes people who show us how to make money, win wars, manage people, sell products, manipulate emotions, and who then write books or give lectures telling us how we can do what they're doing. But these ways and means more often than not violate the ways of Jesus. North American Christians are conspicuous for going along with whatever the culture decides is charismatic, successful, influential, whatever gets things done Whatever can gather a crowd of followers, hardly noticing that these ways and means at odds with the clearly marked way that Jesus walked and called us to follow. Doesn't anybody notice that the ways and the means taken up often 
enthusiastically or blasphemously at odds with the way Jesus leads his followers. Doesn't, why doesn't anybody, anyone notice? How do we apply to our vision? The implication for Crossway's vision is we are to choose to be a local church in the way of Jesus, not in the way of the world, doing the right things in the wrong way. I think for me, it was like a medicine that I took. Initially, it was bitter. But it healed my soul. And if you ask me, past 12 years, do you have any regret of doing church this way? Not at all. In a blink of an eye, I will say, I will never go back the way that I were doing church. There's a simple assurance and joy that God is leading us. And of course, it's not an easy way of doing things. And sometimes I, I really think that maybe we're too radical in this. We need to slow down in something. But what happens is, once we give in, we, like a slippery slope, frog in the kettle being slowly heated up, And brothers and sisters, I ask you, will you choose the way of Jesus doing your Christian life, your church life, or will you choose the way of the world that sneaked in the Christian church culture? And I think my confidence and my assurance that I'd like to share is that as long as we choose God, not asking God to choose us to be on our side, we have assurance. God will lead us and guide us and provide us. And third and last reason why we need to choose the way of the cross it is because God's, it is God's paradoxical wisdom that shames and destroys the wisdom of the world. Verse 22. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are, who, those who are called, both Jews and Gen Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The cross was offensive to people back then. In our culture nowadays, Cross is nice jewelry and cool sign of a rock star, you know, wearing something like that, sim symbols. But when you think about the picture of electric chair as a capital punishment tool, 
We would not worry. They'll, they'll be really offensive. And God's paradoxical wisdom is instead of going for the wise and the brightest, the wealthiest people in the world, he doesn't use them. He goes for the people who are weak and considered as low. The purpose is very clear. God shows God's glory in a very distinctive way. And David's story and Gideon's story, all those the Israelite story was so crystal clear to us. The sad, saddest thing um, for me as a, a pastor, the evangelical world in, in the United States are not believing in the paradoxical wisdom. So whatever the world affirms as this is the best way, this is the richest way, this is the coolest way, somehow we've been impacted by that. Somehow mainstream culture, Christian culture became like that. The stigma of the non-Christian world looking at the Christian who are theologically conservative, conservative, it's always that way as well. The implication for Crossway Vision, we are to choose God's paradoxical wisdom and values in living everyday life, as well as in, in building a church rather than the worldly wisdom and values. We need to discern this well, whether we're going to throw out the ba- baby with the bathwater. Let's take the dirty things and unclean things and the worldly way of things, sort it out very clearly. It's not that easy. We've been learning for 12 years. We need to be well prepared. We need to have attractive service rather than careless things. But we need to be also watchful about what it is that we're we're trying to do in our worship. Is our focus completely, utterly vertical? In that, I I think that one one of the things that we could think about is uh, maybe God has given us some advantage. We're homely church. We're not hipster church. We're not, I mean, to begin with, your pastor. Unfashionable things, it's actually, we don't really need to be consumed and uh, preoccupied by making things so attractive to the outsiders. I think the true deeper attractiveness in the long run so whether we have spiritual vitality in us, different answer, qualitatively different life. Puritans understood this. In their prayer, the Puritan prayer often calls it the valley of vision. This is beautiful. Some of you probably 
Know this and, and have this book. Let me read it. Lord, high and holy and meek and lowly, thou hast brought me to the valley of vision, where I live in the depths, but I see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that contrite heart is rejoicing, the rejoicing spirit. That the repenting soul is the victorious soul. That to have nothing is to possess all. That to bear the cross is to wear the crown. That to give, to give is to receive. That the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can, can be seen from deepest wells. And the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Let me find thy light in my darkness, thy light in my death, death, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. As we are about to journey ahead, I think one thing that needs to be embraced and never been shaken in us, the change in this core is the way of cross. The way of cross is absolutely countercultural. Oh, we need to be careful. It is not anti-cultural. We're not against everything the world is there. But so many values of the world is contradictory to the values of Jesus. Therefore, the choosing the way of cross, so we need to rethink about how we live our life. It's not just an organizational thing. I've experienced past few weeks also too. And let me just bring up one thing very clearly. If we embrace, choose the way of the cross as our way, we've got to do our hard work of resolving conflicts and difficult conversations in love. We're going we're gonna to be broken apart if we neglect that. The, the worldly way is managing your conflicts. Jesus' way is you own your sin. You humble yourself. You confess your sins, your brother and sister first. And ask for forgiveness. Work out the differences. Embrace and affirm and recommit to each other. That's the way of Jesus. That's the way of the cross. We are going to stay on this. Just because we grow, grow church, that doesn't mean conflict resolution is somewhere. Uh, we used to do that. 
We used to have a worksheet on that. I, the reason why I bring this up is this is really at the where rubber meets the road, isn't it? Let's go back to that. The final thought is the refreshed vision, clear vision, gives us fuel. We might not have enough money to buy a building, but we have God. We have the way of Jesus. The vision that God given us can fuel us. We could become passionate in doing more in church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing your paradoxical wisdom in today's text, and that impacts our vision. And I pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes that we may see for the long run what is really the best way of living, the best way of doing church and being church. And we pray that you will refuel each one of our hearts and you will create the shared vision would continue to give us a unified movement together. And thank you so much giving us that assurance that we are being guided to the right direction, right wall. In Jesus' name, amen.